Oh, that's what's up. Oh, you're staying. It's cold outside. It ain't safe out there, babe. Beautiful, watch your hurry. Oh man, that guy just called a woman beautiful. Did she say that was okay? Oh, he said it again. Oh, this is getting creepy. Oh, I have to stop. Oh, I'm outraged. I am furious. I can't believe that I just listened to that song. What's up, folks? Welcome back to the Millennial Manchild Podcast. And as always, I'm your beautiful host, Miles Casey. How you doing, folks? You doing all right? Is life treating you okay? I hope it is. I hope things are going well for you. It's going good for me. I got no complaints. You know, it is the holidays. They are upon us. I'm feeling festive. My microphone's feeling festive, if you can't tell. It's like we're in Russia right now or some shit. We got our fucking fur hats on. We out here. If you if you don't know what I'm talking about, go check out the YouTube video. That's where you'll see. I'm wearing a fun hat. My microphone's wearing a fun hat. It's just, it's a party up in here. We're having a good time. But, uh, yeah, I got a, I got a really fun one for you today, folks. Uh, but before I get into that, I just wanted to say, people who think, baby, it's cold outside doesn't need to be a song we play anymore because it's offensive or I don't know people are upset about it I guess right stop fucking stop are you kidding me have you listened to any hip-hop have you watched a, a music video where there's just asses shaking in front of a dude's face and he's just like throwing dollar bills that's cool that's cool but this a song from 1944 uh that's what that's where we're drawing the line, huh? That's what's inappropriate. This is how we're doing things. All right. Okay. Fucking 2018 doesn't make any fucking sense to me, but what do I know? Ah, yeah, but like I said, I got a special one for you today, folks. Uh my first guest I ever had on the podcast, Brendan Pranowitz is back for his grand reappearance. You know, he's a scholar, a scholar, a gentleman. He uh is always fun to talk to, very knowledgeable. Um, he travels a lot, does a lot of fun things. So I always have a good time when he comes by to chop it up on the podcast or just even when we're hanging out at the Winston's open mic. Um, but yeah, so we got a fun one for you today, uh, to start this off, you know, instead of boring you with the grisly details of my life, like I normally do, I'm actually going to read you, uh, one of his short stories and it is a little long. It's probably going to take about 10 minutes. So, I mean, you know, bear with me. My reading isn't great. I uh, am fairly stupid, pretty fucking dumb in many uh, rights. So, you know, bear with me as I try to read this. And yeah, I'll just, I'll start it now. It's uh, the piece is called Aliens and it's by Brendan Pranowitz and it was published on like Chico State University's uh, website, I believe. So very cool. But yeah, uh, without further ado, I'm going to read that and then we'll start the episode. <clears throat> so Aliens by Brendan Pranowitz. I stepped outside Albertson's grocery store and observed an oncoming disaster. A homeless man known as Earthquake Brad heaved towards us, pedaling his rusty bicycle 20 yards out, his nostrils dripped in blood and snot. He punched himself in the face and spewed obscenities as he zigzagged between shopping carts and parked cars. Jackass! Brad would shout in a gritty voice. You goddamn jackass! One hand gripping handlebars. He launched his other fist to his nose. 
His knuckles crashed into his forehead, but he shook it off. Face twisted in a demonic expression. He seemed to ward off an invisible swarm of bees. The crowd parted as he zoomed between us. Brad's bike tilted, his knee scuffed the ground, and he crashed before me. He sprawled across the concrete as he choked himself with two hands and squealed for air. Cranking his head to the side, he glared at me. His fingers dug into his throat. Brad's left eye clenched shut, and the other eye peered at me like a disgruntled bird behind bars. Then he wheezed his first words to me. Don't just stand there, jackass. Help me up. Last summer, Earthquake Brad and other homeless people moved into my neighborhood. With downtown San Diego expanding, they arrived in our rural neighborhoods in droves. They pushed clanky shopping carts down sidewalks and held drunkenness into the night. But not all of them created disturbances. Some garnered sympathy. One poor soul, old man McKenzie, wore yellow rain boots and whistled hymns. Every morning he worked odd jobs at the gas station in exchange for tuna sandwiches and chocolate milk. Brad stirred paradoxical feelings of both empathy and irritation. No one knew how he received his nickname, but he'd introduced himself. Hey, I'm Earthquake Brad. He binged between stages of drug-induced mania and benevolence. Sometimes he scribbled Bible verses on slips of paper and placed the creased notes under car windshield wipers. On Halloween, Brad was arrested for stealing jack-o'-lanterns from the rich and distributing them to low-income section of our town. On Thanksgiving, a pawn shop owner provided frozen turkeys to the poor. Earthquake stood at the end of the line, scratching his beard, complaining, What am I going to cook this in? A goddamn barrel? Have you ever tried to cook a turkey in a goddamn barrel? You're going to give me some free lighter fluid too? No one felt generous enough to offer Earthquake Brad free lighter fluid on Thanksgiving, and no one knew what would become of that turkey. I often encountered the homeless population while working fast food. With $1 tacos and a bus stop out front, Jack in the Box became an attraction for the misplaced. I learned many were once foster kids who aged out of the system, no home to return to, and no home to begin with. Others, once successful, lost everything to wildfires, the death of a loved one, or downsizing. Living in my trailer, or living in a trailer in my aunt's backyard, and working fast food since the age of 17, I often wondered, at the age of 25, if my own future led me to the streets. On one hand, I felt empathy for my homeless customers, but Brad terrified me. I knew right when he stormed into Jack in the Box, because the whole restaurant grew quiet, like a western showdown. The ice maker even stopped crackling. I'd tried to appease Brad by slipping him free fries or a Coke. Too high to notice, he'd chat with his imaginary friend. He slumped against the counter and stared at the menu with his mouth hanging open. Brad would scratch his crotch and mumble, I'll have a jumbo with cheese. And Bob? What did you want again? Glancing over his shoulder, he conversed with the air, shifting his dime-sized pupils back and forth as if following invisible hand gestures. Snapping his neck, Brad would focus back on me. Bob wants taco. Wants a taco. Jackass. He'd lounge in the back of the restaurant next to his ghost friend and feverishly discuss the Padres, attractive women strutting by, or his favorite topic, jackasses. As the conversation progressed to nowhere, Brad would gaze down at Bob's taco and say, Oh, so you're not hungry. I'll take your taco, if that's cool. Luckily for everyone, Bob always complied. One afternoon, my co-workers bet ten bucks that I didn't have the guts to sit and chat with Brad for the duration of my ten-minute break. My nerves flooded with apprehension. 
but I never backed down from a dare. As my co-workers conspired, we peered over the stainless steel counter, protecting us like a bunker. Brad hunched over the red table. <clears throat> Brad hunched over a red table. He wore a camouflage jacket, sleeves rolled up to his elbows, and hunter orange shorts sagged across his bony hips. Instead of yapping with Bob, he held a watermelon on his shoulder and pressed it against his ear. Mouth gaping, Brad stroked the green stripes and listened to the melon with the intent of a doctor hearing a heartbeat through a stethoscope. My co-workers pep-talked me, patted me on, the, on, on my back, and shoved me in the direction of earthquake. My breath shallow, I sank into the booth without asking permission. Brad hardly noticed as he palmed the watermelon, intent to listening on something deep inside. I, I passed him a burger, and his pink eyes followed the yellow wrapper as it slid off the, off the table and into his lap. He gently sat down the watermelon, tore the wrapper from the steamy bread, took a sharp bite, and snapped his head side to side. He devoured the burger in three bites and grinned. You ever read Slaughterhouse-Five? he asked. Huh? I shrugged. Slaughterhouse-Five. Cold sweat ran down my ribs as I took a sip of orange Coke. Slaughterhouse-Five? I remember high school, English class. Kurt von Gut. The bombing of Dresden. His arms, his question drifted from my mind as I s stared at pink scars shredded down Brad's forearms. He looked like a refugee in a magazine with a tattered army jacket, the name Miller patched above his pocket, and wrapped or warped dog tags slung around his neck. Cake, dirt, and sunburn, sunburned skin matched his age. I noticed Brad's nose had a fresh gash across the bridge and his knuckles, layered in scabs, his index finger wrapped in dirty tape, appeared broken. Probably in a fight, probably with himself. You read it? Brad asked again. I did, but I don't remember much. I gazed down at salt cr crystals scattered across the table, and crushed granules with my thumb. Earthquake Brad rocked back and forth with excitement. I read that book 84 times. He drummed the watermelon on his lap. You know he's right about aliens about time travel, and about abducted with porn stars, or about being abducted with porn stars? I overheard my coworkers snickering in the background. Aliens look scary at first, but they're nicer than the jackasses down here. Brad raised his fingers to prove a point. No one on Traffledore has ever thrown a rock at me. I expected Brad to continue on aliens, but he exhaled a long sigh. Silence bridged between us. He stroked his watermelon and gazed out the window. Brad bore an expression of hunger and longing, as if a UFO might rescue him at any moment. I stood as the last seconds of my break ran out. As I turned to leave, Brad's voice strained for my attention. Jesus Christ was homeless. Jesus was an alien. People threw rocks at him, too. I straightened my jack in the box shirt and said, I have to go. As I turned my back, he caught my wrist and dug his fingernails into my skin. I spun around in anger, but suddenly froze as Brad lunged, lunged his scruffy face towards me. He stopped abruptly as our foreheads nearly touched. Heat steamed from his nostrils. His breath reeked of chaos, and his red-rimmed eyes burned into my soul. I wondered if he'd, be, if he'd bite me, stab me, strangle me, but he whispered, When Jesus comes back, you're going to kill him again. Brad released me, and I backpedaled until I smacked against the wall. I stared at him, wondering if he'd attack. But Brad stood trembling. 
He looked like a lost child searching for his parents. Around the restaurant, whispering teenagers, mothers and fathers huddled around children, and homeless patrons gathered at safe distances. Earthquake pointed his broken finger at the crowd and howled, When Jesus comes back, you're going to kill him again. He raised his voice, You're going to kill him again, three more times before coming quiet and distant. I rushed to the register where coworkers greeted me with pats on the back and a measly ten bucks I didn't need. They riddled questions. What did he smell like? Why, did I, why didn't I punch him? What did he whisper? Instead of answering, I looked over the shoulders and saw Brad cradle, <coughs> cradle his melon in his scarred arms and limp outside into the scorching heat. A few weeks ago, a group of skaters found Brad's body behind a dumpster. A pizza shop owner, furious over the homeless con- uh, congregating in our town, discovered Brad digging through his garbage and stabbed him 33 times. Brad left this world without a funeral or obituary. The local press ran a five-sentence paragraph under public safety, and the article focused more on the murder than Earthquake Brad. But later, but lately, our town is tremoring with so many humorous memories about him, stories that could fill up sun- the Sunday Times. The man who rumbled <clears throat> our town with fear and bewilderment has become legend. The sad part of the matter, we coexisted with Brad for nearly a year, and no one knew anything substantial about him. Every day, I watched our homeless neighbors hobble barefoot down the sidewalk, pushing janky shopping carts filled with everything they owned. I see them line up at recycling centers, hands spread open for change. Every day, I silently cheer for old man McKenzie as he attempts to get his life together, one tuna sandwich and chocolate milk at a time. Some nights, I lie awake on my aunt's roof, curled up in a mildew-scented sleeping bag. I rest my head against the gritty roof shingles and search the heavens from, the, from vast constellations to the tiny star. I like to think there's a UFO filled with porn stars and earthquake Brad. I want to believe he's off to a gentler and more caring world than down here. Good stuff, right? That was uh, Aliens by Brendan Pranowitz, his little short story that he wrote and got published that I wanted to share with you. I hope you enjoyed it. It's a very relatable story for me, you know, working at Starbucks. I do uh, interact with the homeless people a lot. They come around, and I know many of their names. As you know, people laugh at me for that. But it's, uh, I don't know, it's nice to have a human moment sometimes between these people who don't get to experience that often. And uh, I really enjoyed the story, and I hope you did too. So without further ado, uh, we'll get into it today. Um, Yeah, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks for listening.
What's up, Brendan? How you doing, buddy? Welcome back. I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it today a little bit. <clears throat> and honestly, you're partly responsible for me still doing this because you're the first guest that was ever on. Right? And no way I could have done this by myself this long. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was like, well, I guess if there's basically what I'm saying, if there's any haters out there, it's your fault, not mine, that I'm still doing this. <laughs> and it's your, so you're actually the bad guy here in this scenario. Well, I heard your podcast is doing well, man. Yeah, it's doing pretty good for me. Like, I never know exactly what to consider, like, good. It's, like, by my standards, yes, it's, like, been pretty awesome. Like, I have, like, over 10,000 unique listens in about a year, That's which is cra- cool. That's crazy. Yeah, That's you know? amazing. So, in, like, on a weekly basis, it's anywhere from, like, 100 to 200 listeners, you know? That's... Which, I don't know if they listen to the full episode, if they just, like, download it and don't listen to it. Who knows? But, pretty cool. That's incredible. That's yeah. a lot. Just and it's weird because like all I do is just random like social media posts, and then I try to get you know have guests on. So then when they share it on their social media, maybe somebody else checks it out or whatever it may be. But yeah, it's been growing, so it's been going good. You're gonna need a sponsor soon. Right? <sighs> I wish. I like, mean, that would change the game for sure. Like Mark Marin has a, all these weird sponsors, oh, yeah. like the Love Boutique. Or... <laughs> yes, dude. <laughs> like uh, Theo Vaughn has like a, a a pizza joint, like Gray Block Pizza, just straight up sponsored him. He's like, I'll give you you know this much money a month just so you can do that. You know, rent out a studio or whatever, which is cool. You should get Winston's to sponsor. Oh, that would be awesome. Right? I would. Oh, I never even thought about that. I should look into that. You should. I don't know how. I should talk to Jesse or somebody about that. She'd be like, I will put you on my podcast every week. I would. announce what you guys are doing. Oh, that's true. I could announce all the shows. Oh, my God. That's not a bad idea. Right? Look at you. We're in here brainstorming. This is already I'm helping you to go further. I need it. Somebody (laughs) needs to push me a little bit. Somebody needs to be like, hey, slap me around a little bit. Like, hey, buddy, you know you could be doing more. Like, that's what I recently decided to start trying to put the videos up on YouTube and whatnot, you know, so that way, like, I don't know, just more exposure, another place to find it. I got it on Spotify recently as well, so just, like, any little thing just to, like, put it out there, you know? I think that's smart. Like, I would have as many avenues as you can. That's the, that's the, that's what I think, too, because there's only, like, I don't know, it's going to hurt me, and I'm only going to learn more from it, like, how to how to edit videos and stuff. Like, that's been the, the big challenge is, like, figuring out a little bit of that. Especially when I have like the bare minimum tools wise, you know, but getting it done so far. Well, I guarantee if you keep wearing sweaters like that and have that, <laughs> you're going to get a lot of views. Yeah, I mean, I, I figured it might be kind of difficult for you to even take me seriously with this on today, but I was like, I was feeling festive, you know, it's the holiday season. I could take you seriously as long as you're not doing this naked. Like, <laughs> that, that'd be that'd be the, the level. Okay. That's where it levels okay. off. I respect that. I respect that. I could that. be naked, but you can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. See, and I see. I don't. I'd probably take you more serious if you're naked. <laughs> oh no! Oh, the shirt's coming off. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, uh, let's see. I was gonna ask you uh, a little bit because it looks like I feel like every time I look on your Facebook or something, you've been like kind of going to some fun places and traveling a little bit. What have you done recently? Um, I I went to Vermilion Cliffs Bluff. Okay. And Where's that at exactly? It's in Arizona. Okay. And it's a really hard place to get to. They have this place that's called The Wave. It's like, I don't know why, but I will drive forever to see rocks. I know that's weird. <laughs> most people aren't into that, but I will. And I love rock structures and formations. And um, if you look online, you'll just see tons of pictures of this place. And I kept looking up this. Uh, I'm like, where is this? And mm-hmm. I located it. And it's in Arizona, northern Arizona. 
and um, it's really hard to get to. Like, really hard. Like, because of, like, you can't get there by a vehicle, or you have to have, like, a certain type of vehicle, and then you have to, like, hike a certain way, or, like, what? That, too. Okay. <laughs> um, they have, a, they have um, a lottery system, and it's really hard to get in the lottery. They, they only let 20 people in a day. Oh, wow. And on any given day, they have, like, 500 people applying. So it's hard. So you have to get lucky, first of all. I got lucky, and I applied for three years, and I finally got it. And when I got the letter, I was like, whoa. Like, I thought this like, was never going to happen. <laughs> I've been doing this for three years. I thought it was just, just crapshoot. And I called my buddy, and I'm like, dude, we're going to go. He's like, I don't even know where this is, but we're going. That's awesome. And so I drove out there, and, you know, they just had a bunch of rain, and I drove my VW Rabbit on this crazy <laughs> dirt road, and I thought we were going to die a bunch of times. Yeah, you thought it was super sketch, huh? It was super sketchy. <laughs> and then, but we made it, we survived, and we hiked into it. It wasn't a hard hike, but it was beautiful landscape, and the cool part was there was hardly anybody there. That's the best. So it looks like you're on a different planet, like the rock structures and things like oh, that. And it's like you're like, I'm on the fucking moon right now or some shit. Like, what's going on over here? It was. It was like being on Mars or something like that. Wow. It, that's incredible. pretty wild. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, like, um, I haven't been to any place like that specifically, mm -hmm. but, you know, <clears throat> probably, it was probably like t a year and a half ago at this point, but I was like doing some like traveling up the West Coast and whatnot, and my little Kia Soul R.I.P., you know, <laughs> R.I.P. You know, uh, it, it got stuck in some sand, and mm. luckily there was this guy next to me. Like it was like at a campsite, and he saw me like stuck, and he had a big truck, and he fucking he, you know, he helped me out. He had all the stuff like fucking a rug, and a, he tugged me out and whatnot. But I was like, dude, I would have been shit out of luck unless somebody else was there to help me with that little Kia Soul. Yeah, I, <laughs> we were driving, and you know, people had like Range Rovers and stuff like that. There was this guy from Europe. He's like, I'm, I wouldn't go that way. <laughs> And he was like in an art, you know. <laughs> and you're like, well, fuck I'm it, like, dude. we're gonna make it. We're... The Germans have some fine engineer engineering. This V Dub is gonna. We came so far to get here, and we don't care. Plus, I, I try to I try to go on vacation with people who don't care about their lives. <laughs> you know, because we might die. Yeah, that way you can do what you want and get it's, into it. Yeah, so <laughs> we just take risks and we see what happens. I love that. That's fun. I mean, there's something that's kind of exciting about doing that where you're like, oh, you're white knuckling it a little bit, like, oh, shit, you know? We almost slid off the road twice, and if we would have slid off the road, we, we could have died or just been stuck. We could have been Arizona residents. Came, like you said, there's nobody around nobody who's going to fucking just, you'd have to be lucky that they're going the same way as you and drive by, basically. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. Because we, like, one of the things that we do back home... It was one of the fun things. You you almost had to do it if you wanted to, like, go smoke weed or something. You'd have to go country cruising is what we called it. Country cruising? Yeah, I haven't heard or, that. Or, yeah, like country cruising. Like oh, country. Country, sorry. It's I, I, crunchy. I can't talk. I'm uh, not, not a very smart man. But, uh, yeah, country cruising. I'll, I'll alliterate there. And we'd just go out, like, you know, you're driving on dirt roads because then there's no cops. There's nobody around. But you're just, like, getting high on these dirt roads. But then, like, sometimes if it's rainy or snowy or icy out, like, those dirt roads are trash. And it's right. dangerous. So it's, like, you know, always add a little bit of extra suspense to it when you're out there breaking the law in Kansas, you know, trying to get your get your fi your fix. So you, you were just overboard. not or You were doing two illegal things, essentially. Yes, yes, That's absolutely. Intense. You have to do, exactly, doing double. You know, you're not supposed to drive on high. That's bad. But don't do it, children that are listening out there. You know, it's bad for your health. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then yeah, and and you know, getting just getting high is obviously a, a big thing back there. But. It's a it's a problem. Yeah, it's, they, it's <laughs> a problem. You're definitely looked down upon if you smoke marijuana back in Kansas. People assume like. Oh well, that guy is probably not going anywhere. And if they look at me, they're right. So you know they they've got that one on the head. But we'll see. You know, it's just funny like how I would come out here and I was working for LPL mm-hmm. and like coworkers would talk about smoke and I'm like, what? People at the office would say like, oh yeah, whatever. It's just like the culture in California is one. It's so different from Kansas. You know right. what I mean? Especially in that sense. Like people are like, yeah, whatever. It's just a little bit of weed. Right. Who cares? You know. But there, it's like. They find it on you. You're you're gonna, you know. I got lucky one time. Just like they let me go, basically. Right there, you're like Satan. Yeah, exactly. You know, they saw like I was driving through. I had my fucking tie dye on, California tags, and he pulled me over, and he's like, "Oh yeah, here we go." But he ended up just like, "Oh, you you guys seem nice," and that's probably partly you know being white definitely helped a little bit, I'm sure, because he's like, "You you guys seem nice. You know, you gave me all the weed. Just dump it out, and I'll let you be on your way." We're like, "Yes, please take it. I don't even I don't even want to get high anymore." Like you know, and then. Of course, later that day, I got high, but... You've done a joke bits on that. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, though. Yeah. I, I, I have to figure out how to tell it, like, because, you know, it's a good story. It's a fun story, mm-hmm. and it's just, I don't know. I never know what to do on stage. That's my biggest problem. I never know. I never feel, like, that confident in my material for some reason. I don't know what it is. That's you're, probably because I don't do it enough. You're, you're doing good. I saw you the past couple times. You had people laughing. You, you had presence you were doing really good yeah, on stage. thank bro. you i feel like I, I am getting better but it's just like for me it's more of a mental battle of trying to figure out like all right i know i can be funny but how do i get in the mindset that i think i'm funny does that make sense yeah because um, i'll like wake up in the morning and just be like oh i'm not funny today do you feel that way yeah sometimes yeah yeah i don't know what it is and i know it's not always true but sometimes i'll just get so busy i'll just be grading essays or something like that and it's hard to get in the funny mood you know Mm, maybe that's what it is you know working two jobs being busy trying to do that stuff it is hard time hard to like make yourself feel that way sometimes right yeah because it does take a lot of energy to like try and go up there and be like okay i gotta even if it's five minutes i couldn't imagine doing a whole fucking hour like you know what i mean like i'll go through and i'll be like my heart's beating after a good one i'm like yeah that felt amazing but like an hour of that to keep the momentum going is incredible to me i would just get up there and slow clap (laughs) right (laughs) <laughs> just build it up for the whole hour. <laughs> like, yeah, this is the bit. This is the one bit. This is what you're getting for. <laughs> and then leave. That's what I would do. I just walk out. Yeah. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. Like I've been doing it for a while. I might have a good. I have a solid ten. I would say, but uh-huh. I have more material. But to get an hour, hour and a half, that's intense. Yeah. Well, for real, and just to be able to like go through it. In your head, like, yep, I'm gonna hit this one. I'm gonna hit this one. I'm gonna know this one. Right. And and that's what's weird for me because like some people, this is what I've been trying to do a little bit more is like not just go up of like what I've written down necessarily. Like, try to talk to the audience a little bit or just see what you can come up with or maybe roast them a little bit just to, you know, in a lighthearted, fun way, not trying to be too mean or whatever. Right. But just do something new to because you if the, if you can do your bits and then you can do a little bit of that and then you can do some bits and do a little bit of that that's how you can really kind of start stretching it out a little bit more i think is one way for at least that's what i've been trying to do anyways right and for your viewers if you don't know winston's has nobody there so if you try to do comedy at winston's it's like a graveyard of comedy it is and so you have to work with the crowd you have to you do. otherwise it's you have painful. to involve them you you just go home crying yeah <laughs> it can be very brutal at winston's you know and that's one of the things that i think i 
I forget because that is the mic I do the most, right. obviously. You're there all the time. You yeah. do the hardest mic. And I forget that is the hardest mic. And it's funny when I go to like Madhouse and there's an actual audience, it's like, oh, I'm taking the weight vest off today. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I've been fucking over here in the hyperbolic chamber just fucking da 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 like traded my ass off. And then, yeah, you go to like, I've only been to ACC a couple of times, but honestly, when I've gotten up on stage, I was like, wow, that was better than Winston's easily because people are there and they want to laugh. And they're not there just to like, oh, they just stumbled in or whatever it may be, you know. ACC has a good crowd. They do, they do. Yeah. And Winston's does every once in a while. You can't count, discount it. Like, it, like I, I like Winston. It's, it's, yeah, it's, a great it's my place. favorite spot. It's a great place to practice. Sometimes you get a really good crowd in there. And yeah. they can be a lot of fun. For real. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then the shows are usually pretty fun at night too that Alan puts on, which are always good. Those shows have come so far. He's done such a good job of promoting and getting For real. Getting the... And just making them good and entertaining so that way people want to come back and watch and they know that it's like an option on a Friday night, you know, which is really cool. Right. We're promoting Winston's right now. Hell yeah, we are. See, I'll just I'll just I'll just give him a link to this bit. That's up, Winston's. You try to sponsor the podcast it's show? My favorite bar. It's my favorite Mine place. Mine too. <laughs> you better believe it. The staff's amazing. You know so what I'm saying? Great so performers amazing. there. The stage. I love the stage. I like the comedians. Yep. It's it's really a, an underrated mic in many ways just because it's just a fun hang. It's one of the, like, I guess the Go Lounge is really like that too. Every time I go there, I usually have a fun hang as well. Right. The Go Lounge is more of a hangout place. But like when I and go to On like, a good night at Go Lounge, you, it's a great night at Go Lounge on some nights. Yeah. And I haven't been there in months either. And this part of the not having a car thing has made it a little more difficult to make it all the way, you know, it's like 20 some minutes from here or whatever it is. Right. But, uh, um, I don't know. I was thinking with like, when I go to like Madhouse or ACC, you know, you're kind of around comedians a little bit, but it's not a hang. It's not... Yeah, you're, you're just... Not, at least not when I've been there. Like, at Madhouse, I always feel like nobody knows who I am, so it's kind of weird. Yeah, usually when I, I, I... I know a lot of the people at the Madhouse. They're good people, and I can hang with them, but usually I'm just doing so many mics. There's, the thing about Madhouse is with the late mics, though, I got to work in the morning, or I'm just trying to get home, you uh, know? What do, what do you usually have to, like, be at work? I teach... Um, I have an 8 o'clock class. Okay, Monday, so you Wednesday, have to be so. up early then, too. Right, right. Yeah, cause that can make that's the thing that I'm struggling with so much right now. Working at Starbucks is like getting up, you know, five in the morning to go to work right. is early. And comedy right. is something that is done at the you know the dark dungeon night, the fucking <laughs> underground like dingy smells like stale beer. Like this is where we're doing it. Yeah, you know, stale like, beer and socks and you know I'm like up early with the sun shining. It's like that's not comedy. That's like the opposite. And how many days a week you working that that shit? <laughs> Usually five. Oh wow! Yeah, so that's hard, man. Yeah, well, and then so and then one one or two days a week at the barbecue house. So mm -hmm. two days suck usually. Like, right. Like you know what I mean? Like you know, <laughs> ten hour days suck. Like if not longer sometimes. So right. those and those days will take it out of me. And then I try to do the podcast on Tuesdays. Right. And that honestly, you know, people I don't know what people think it, it is to do a podcast. They're like, oh, he's just fucking. It takes a lot of work, honestly. Yeah, podcasts are work. They are. It is. So it's like that's a whole day. Uh -huh. So that doesn't feel like a day off usually because I'm like in it trying to do it. Then I'll go to the like lazy hummingbird and try to do open mic. But really the only day I have off is Friday, it seems like. Yeah. Which is when I do the Winston's mic. Right. And, and the podcast. But then still. It's tough. Yeah, it's, it is. It's not easy to, to grind. Um, 
I know. They call it the grind, man. That's why they call it the grind. And that's what I, I got to get better at the grind a little bit. And maybe it means to <clears throat> find something different besides Starbucks or who knows what it is. But I got to, I want to get back onto the more of the comedy grind somehow. Could you pick up an afternoon shift there? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to talk to my boss a little bit about it and just see if I can figure out something because I don't know. I need to. I, I like the mornings because that's why I was getting up early at LPL. I was like, well, I can just get up early and do this, and then I'll have the whole day, mm-hmm. which is nice. It's a great idea in theory, but by the time it's time to like show up and do any type of open mic, I'm like, it's 10 o'clock, and I've you know been up for 16 hours. I'm like, fuck, how am I supposed <laughs> to give any energy here? You yeah, know? sometimes I just feel tired on the mic. Yeah. And, I, it's, and I'll just look at the audience and be like, hey, guys, I'm really tired right now. I'm sorry. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm going to do my best up here, but it's going to be a tough one tonight. Yeah, that's for sure. I don't know. It makes you better, though. I, I've been grinding a lot. It does make you a whole lot better. It makes you better with That's what I mean. I feel like timing. I've seen you doing a lot more mics and getting on shows and stuff, which is awesome. Yeah, trying to get more time right now. Yeah. Just trying to get better. Do you, do you, when you're on the show, do you usually do like 10 minutes, 15 minutes? How does that, I, I don't know. I've really been on shows besides Alan's, like the roast battles a couple of times, which are always awesome. I do 10. I do 10 minute spots. I host <laughs> quite a bit. And I, I've been asking to open. I like to open shows. I want to work on becoming a good opener. Mm, that's smart. That's right. really smart. And it's different because if you're an opener, you have to do crowd work. You have to get the audience involved yeah. and things like that. And you're going in cold, too, you're which is the in, hardest spot. They say it's the hardest spot next to the headliner. Yeah, because well, you're, you're coming in cold. Right. Insane. So that's what I've been trying to do. And it's been fun. I think I'm getting better at it. That makes sense. That's a really smart thing to do because that makes you valuable to somebody who's able to give you an actual chance, which is how you honestly kind of are really going to make it in comedy if anybody makes it. You have to be given a chance by somebody who's already established, more or less like, oh, yeah, come on, buddy. Like, here, I'll give you a little time. You know what I mean? Right. It's it's not about what you know. It's about who you know. It's not even about <laughs> that. It's about who knows you. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. That is a good point. Yeah. I don't know. That's one of the things that I'm – that's going to be a bigger goal – uh, coming up in like 2019 of mine is trying to actually be like okay more established so when people see me they're like oh I know what he does mm-hmm. instead of being like oh I kind of seen him but I don't know what he does and that way I could actually maybe get put on shows more you know what I mean right 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 and yeah I, I say just do mics and um, get yourself out there yeah that's what I'm gonna try and work on be funny be funny yeah, and the, and I don't know. That's one of the one of the things I've also been doing is like filming myself mm-hmm. on stage, so I can see, and that has been helping a lot actually. Yeah, I've been getting the biggest like feedback from that. I'm like, oh, I'm looking like this, or I'm watching how I was like, I don't even know I'm doing it, but I'm moving my hands sometimes when I'm talking. Right. And it actually, I was like, oh, I think that was actually helping me in the bit when I was talking about it. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Those little type of things. I pick my nose a lot on stage. <laughs> well, people, I'm just kidding. People might think. <laughs> You're a little crazy if you do that, but they might laugh too. You never know. It could go either way, really, on that one. It for does. Sure. I mean, to be good at this, you really have to study and you have to have a lot of self-reflection. You have to really break yourself down painfully. Yeah, that's what's so hard about it sometimes. Yeah. And then obviously, I feel like you're probably the same way. Who? No one's like harder on me than me. Right. You know what I mean? Like other people really my, don't care. My mom. She's pretty hard. She's pretty hard. She's pretty hard on me too, actually. You My mom's she... hard on him too. <laughs> she she just beats me up. She's gonna write him write him after this podcast. Me like, 
Dude, it's so funny. I found out there's actually a couple of moms that listen to the podcast, which is hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah, like one of my buddies, like uh, his mom was visiting this week, and she's like, oh, yeah, I listen to the podcast. I'm like, what? You listen to the podcast? <laughs> like, oh, shit. That's funny. But yeah, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. I just thought it was funny that even that's what I mean. Like, I don't know who's listening to this thing anymore. I don't know what's going on with it. Like, yeah, every once in a while, you'll see, like, I always worry about these people. You'll see somebody like in Oklahoma City, and there's like 45 listens in like two days. I'm like, is that person okay? You like, told me about that. That's amazing. Yeah, it's like who's listening to this that much in a row? Like that's right. insane to me. But that's how I've consumed podcasts before. When I find something that I like, kind of like, well, I guess I better get caught up. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, but it is weird to see things like that when you look at the numbers. Sometimes you can kind of see where it's coming from. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. And today with technology, you can do that. You can really analyze. You know. How your blog is going? Who's it hitting? The audience and the views and yeah, it's kind of well. That's why it is kind of weird. It is weird how there's so much data on like people and where things are coming from, Mm -hmm. and that's what's weird. Even with like Facebook, they've been like hacked into, and you know they have everything about you. Anything you've liked, they know how to like put it in their algorithm. They can target the ads perfectly to like. I'll see ads like they know. I guess they're listening to my conversations. They know just some broke ass or whatever. They'll, they'll like put a, a thing on there that's like, oh, if you're going to Chipotle and not doing this secret, you're missing out on free money or some shit like that. I'm like, oh, you bastards, they know, they know I'm poor and hungry. And then they're like, here's the way to do it right. They're like, they know that specific. Like, it's crazy how much it's, they have. It's scary. It's the panopticon. The cameras are in the sky all over us. Man. We're being watched and analyzed constantly. It is weird. And we're one of the few countries that allow that. Like, in other countries, they have a lot of legislation on that. Hmm. They do. Um, and it really only benefits big corporations. It's not... The the corporations have more power than the FBI. For real, though. The Just police the way... department can't, can't analyze this the way Facebook does oh, or the, they... Albert, the grocery stores do. They would get in big trouble for that because it would be invasion of privacy. But because they're setting because you click the little I agree to the terms right. of service, then we're have get, it all. Yep, and then that gives them permission to study us, and wow. it's weird. It is weird. It's 1984. It is. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, that's a great book. Yeah, it is. It a is great a great book. book. Right. Um, it's it's so weird how a lot of those things that were happening back then when he was writing that book, like, oh, this is you know, this is what the future is probably going to be like. How you could see he was just like. It was almost like a prophet in a way, like, oh, this is going to happen. Right. And it's been even crazier with Trump talking about, like, maybe we should have some state-run media. Right. The fuck? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know who has state-run media, right, Trump? North Korea. North Korea. Like, he just likes how they, even though he tries to hate on those people or try to do a little, you know, play the strong man, he, like, you know, he's, like, side-eyeing, like, ooh, I wish I kind of had that. That looks like, kind of nice. I'm jealous. Right? I'm jealous. Well, he was going to have that parade, that military parade yeah. and things like that. It's yeah. so weird. I don't understand any of that stuff. I don't know. It seems it's it's always funny with him. Uh, to me personally, I don't think anything's going to happen to him until it's like everybody's like, oh, it's looking bad, whatever, again lately. It's been looking bad because like this guy's going to jail and this guy's been right. coming out. And I'm like, for me, the way it's gone with him uh-huh. until it's like he's in the handcuffs <laughs> and like being – like, I don't believe it. I don't think it's happening. Like, you don't I, think it would happen, huh? I just don't. I Teflon Don, dude. That guy. Teflon Don, yeah. It's weird. I don't, and I'm not for Donald Trump. I think he is hot garbage. But I just, I, from what I've seen, he's got a way of saying the craziest shit. He 
His actions are just, you know, he does what he wants, and he continues to just get away with it. I don't know. It'll be hard to impeach him with um, Congress being, or the Senate being primarily Republican. For sure. That's going to be the hardest part, for so sure. Even if he does get impeached, it doesn't mean he'll lose power, because Bill Clinton got impeached, and he was able to remain in office. Yeah, so. that's true. That's true. But there's a lot more that's down the pipeline, so, I mean, we're just scratching the surface of this whole investigation. That's true. And it, it, who knows where it's going to lead? I'm just in a way I'm just very negative about Trump and just like <laughs> I don't even follow it hardly anymore because I'm just like I can't I just like I just don't care which is probably bad it's, it's the wrong thing to do maybe in some people's eyes but for me I'm just like it's exhausting I can't I it's, can't do it it's hard to tune in because you're inundated with all this press it comes out fresh every day and mm-hmm. especially with story. the way social media is like that's I mean I don't know where you get your news I'm assuming it's probably similar to me it's like the internet and social media whether it's Twitter I, or Facebook or I go to the, the papers I, I do do you go to I the papers local, I do UT I do um, I do Reuters I do do you get those like at NYT. your at the office or at the university, or do you like some, have the? I, I log into like like six different um, news okay. outlets. Gotcha. Well, that's smart. Because I'm a teacher, though. I got to know what's going on. And but and you, it's weird, but you almost have to log into six different outlets because you got to get each version of it, see how they're trying to and talk it, about it. Right, it's fascinating. Like one will just go a little bit into it, the other one will go way more in depth, another one will cover a story you haven't even heard of. So yeah, that's interesting. And, that's, and it's just crazy, but you're always just bombarded with so much these days, right. the news. It's like there's no break. But the thing about social media is I, I don't look at the news on social media. You People don't? just post things. I'm like, unless, Are you, yeah, that's unless smart. It's, unless it's really eye-grabbing or it's just really funny, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then I will. But it's just, um, it's there's a lot of... It's like almost toxic in that format. Yeah, they, what they're doing is they're, they're, they're appealing to our anger. And so they're just trying to post things that make us all angry. Because then that gets you to, like, comment or to have a reaction, and that's what they want because then you're engaged. And if you're engaged, then you're staring at their screen and there's more ads to be seen. Right. It's fear. It's anger. It's yellow journalism. It's Mm. been going on for a long time. Yeah, it's weird. It's like, I mean, obviously there's still some good journalists out there, but it's Mm -hmm. like in the grand scheme of things, the way the incentives are set up, it's just good journalism doesn't make money. The thing, the thing, I was just like talking to my class to. about this. Uh-huh. And the issue that we have is that a long time ago, you know, you had these newspapers that would be delivered to your house and you sit down and read them. Um, and there were only, you know, maybe a handful. I mean a lot, but a handful in terms of in terms of comparing it to today. But today, everybody has a news source. It's true. So we're just inundated with all these different sources. And oftentimes it's one that you... And the other good news is you have to pay for it. You have to pay for the... Mm. SDUT, you have to pay for the NYT. So I mean, they're getting all this junk news and they're believing and buying into it, and it's playing off their emotions because those other ones are trying to compete with the major news sources. So they're going to write the most egregious story they can think of Mm. to try to get the reader's attention. Yeah, and get the most eyeballs on their article. Right. Oh yeah, I don't know how many times I'll click on an article, and just I'll see the headline. I'm like, I don't think this is true, but I have to read (laughs) it and just make sure. And I'm like, God fooled again like you know what i mean like this was some clickbait title that was just trying to be like oh this out outrage you'll never believe what so-and-so said you know what i mean i'm like did he really like whether it's about joe rogan or kevin hart or any people like they're always like trying to come at somebody like in a way that allows them to get the most views possible that's pretty much what it is yep that's what they're going for yeah but but the the sad thing that is bad wrong is like it works though 
It does. And that's what, like, so do you, does that mean I need to start fucking actually doing this <laughs> naked? <laughs> like, uh, I'm confused. I got the hat on, people. Is this I'm, not enough? I mean, I had um, I had a blog for a while, and it, it did pretty decent. But, I mean, what you're doing is pretty amazing because, I mean, we have so many podcasts out there now. Everybody's yeah. doing podcasts. So the fact that you're able to get, what was it, 10,000 yeah. people who've listened, that's incredible today. Yeah. And then, you're I mean, doing it right. You're doing it correct. Yeah, just, I mean, and that's the only way, like, I don't know, the way I look at it, too, is, like, I, I want this to be just, like, a grassroots thing. That's how I've always liked anything. And all my favorite stuff is, like, really started just, like, kind of gritty, grassroots, just, like, we're, we're doing this. Screw it. I don't know what I'm doing exactly, but I'm just going to start doing it and putting it out there. And, I don't know, there's just something that, like, if you do it that way, <clears throat> you'll build, like, stronger community or, like, people that actually enjoy it and want to kind of see you do well and, and follow the journey with you almost. You know what I mean? Right. I think it's good to start small. Yeah. Low expectation and see where it goes. 100%. And the other thing about starting small is there's really only nowhere to go but up. So Right. You know, <laughs> right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And I just, you're right. I just have to try and maybe do some things to try to get a sponsorship. Because I, I, I just don't really know how to go about that. I don't but, know either. But the, it's the only way to find out is the same thing with the podcast. You just have to start doing it. You but if you got 10,000 listeners, you should, you should, I mean, that gives you some credibility. Yeah, that's true. And it's, see, and that's, uh, and I don't know if it's like, you know, it might not be 10,000 different people, but 10,000 listens, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like to the d episodes total. So, that's amazing. but still, yeah, it's not bad. I definitely, I mean, I never would have guessed that in a year. I don't know what, what my numbers were that I was shooting for, right. what to expect, but yeah, that it's pretty cool. It's, I don't know. It's surprising. I think it's great. Yeah, I don't know. I, oh, I did want to ask you about because uh, since you were on the last time, uh, you wrote that short story that got published. Yeah. And <clears throat> excuse me, I was interested in it because I wanted to know if that was like based off of like a real experience you had because I have to deal with, you know, okay. multiple kind of you know different homeless people or people that have like maybe a mental illness or whatever it may be at Starbucks all the time and I see these type of like I see the same vein of person sometimes that you're talking about in your story and I find it very interesting that you turned that into a little short story that was like funny and like fun to read you know what I mean thank you yeah um, it is nonfiction and it's it was a collaboration I lived in Lakeside and teenagers killed this um, homeless person long long time ago probably about Probably about 20 years ago, honestly. Wow. And um, I didn't know the person they killed, but I worked at a lot of different places where I had to deal with homeless people. Yeah. Or interact with them is a better word. And um, so I just took part the conversations and things I've seen that homeless people did, and I just channeled them into that one character. Oh, that's beautiful. That's a great idea. Yeah. So, I mean, <coughs> I did see somebody storming through the Albertsons parking lot, punching themselves in the face and slamming their bikes yes. against the door. I saw that. I saw somebody holding a watermelon and listening to it. And yep. all those stories yep. happen. Wow. That's a, uh, that's what's so cool. I think that's what so that you're able to pull from like your real life experiences and be able to put that in the writing and then... It to be. I really enjoyed it. I, I was you. thinking about. Uh, I don't know how long it would take me, but I was actually thinking about reading it as the intro to this. Like, this is what he did. This is the story, and I'm just gonna read it Thank that you. way. That cause some people are lazy. <laughs> right. Let's right. be honest. I'm, I'll post it, and maybe it'll get like one like. Somebody actually clicked on it. But if like I read it and it's on the podcast, then like they just listen. That's they're like, okay, I can do that. You know That'd what I mean? Cool. I, you might just. Choose, I I did a reading of it at Grossmont, and I just chose to read half. Did you? Okay. 
Yeah, and like, and, and maybe I'll read half of it, or maybe I'll read the whole thing. But who knows? I just thought that because I've done that before on here. I've read like something that I liked. Yeah. So I was like, I'm starting out the podcast, just reading this to you because it's a good reminder for me. And I thought you might like it. But I I love that idea. I think that I I'd be highly appreciative. Yeah. That. Cool. Cool. I was thinking about that. That'd be fun. There's one part that I did embellish about him <laughs> getting stabbed. Um, I said 33 times. I just use that as a metaphor. Because Jesus Christ was 33 years old, so I was, yes. I was playing oh, with that. Okay, that makes sense. So I fictionalized parts of it, but it was all based off real. Yeah, real. That's cool. That's really cool. I was uh, thinking that right now I'm like Jesus in his rebellion years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that long period <laughs> <What> the... <laughs> time where you don't hear about what he was doing, or, you know, it's like he kind of comes back. He's like, hey, what's up, guys? I was building some stuff, but, like. I'm like in that period right now, that period I got, got the long beard. It's like, ah, dad, I'll get back to you. Do you know, you boss me around too much right now. <laughs> right, right. Rebellious Jesus. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a book called Jesus is Simon. It's a pretty good book. But it's about, it's not about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I like to, I don't know. I, I think that there was a lot unwritten about Jesus. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. I have a friend from Providence, and I love him. He's a great writer. Uh-huh. And I would go visit. I visited him one time. And I don't drink anymore, but I used to drink quite a bit. And we'd just stay up late drinking Bushmills. Yeah. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, just having, like, deep conversations. And the best. That, that's one thing we, we talked about a lot, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, Jesus just had one message. He said, don't be a jerk. Just don't be a jerk. Nailed it. And that was his central message. Yeah, and it is that time of year. I mean, Christmas is around the corner. <laughs> He's about to rise back up, I guess, you know? Who knows? If Jesus was here today, he'll be like, yeah, fucking hippie, get out of here, dude. You know what you're talking about, man? I'm trying to make some money, dude. It's hard to say. It's really yeah, hard to say. Yeah, who knows? It is. That's true. I was going <clears> to, <throat> so since, you know, it's it's the holidays, we're talking about that a little bit. I was going to say, are, are you doing anything for the holidays? Yeah, I'm going to be heading home. I'm leaving to Pittsburgh on Wednesday. Oh, nice. How I'm, long are you going for? I'll be there two and a half weeks. Ooh, I know, which that's going to be nice. You're I, probably going to be a little crazy by the end of it. Yeah, but. I'll probably lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, I went home for three weeks, and I'm like, I'm going to go crazy here. Yeah, that's I'm a like, long what choice. was I thinking? Yeah. And this, this year, I'm like, two and a half. Two and a half. <laughs> yeah. But my parents, um, they live in the country, and they live... <laughs> On 50 acres, which is a quiet, peaceful place. Oh, you could probably get a lot of writing and whatnot done there if you want to, huh? So I'm going to write, and I just need to relax. I've had such a busy year that um, I'm looking just forward to... Just decompress a little bit? Yeah, I need to decompress. Have, the, so have, have your mom cook some home-cooked meals for you. Nothing wrong with that. She loves doing that. She's such a good cook. That's awesome. So, yeah, it'll be nice. And then I, Pittsburgh has a really good comedy scene, too. Does it? That's Great cool. So you can scene. still, if you wanted to, you can go dabble and be like, yeah, I'm just there visiting and still hit a couple open mics and get out. Yeah, I'm definitely going to do some mics there. There, there's some great people in Pittsburgh, and you could do three mics a night if you want to. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. I didn't know that. It's kind of cool because you go there and chicken wings are like a dollar twenty-five, and dude, <laughs> you're telling me, yeah, yeah, like that's how it is back home in Kansas. When you go back, it's like beers are like two dollars. Fucking, you get a burger and a, you know fries for five bucks, whatever. You know, it's like everything's way cheaper than it is here. Right here is crazy. I know. I've been thinking about maybe moving back I to don't know. Kansas yeah I, it's I'm not happy about it necessarily but I would be it'd be fine like I'd be around all my friends it would be good for me in that way it's just that it's like I'm already out here yeah and it would suck to kind of go back there <laughs> you it's, know this place is hard it's, it's a just hard so expensive place. It's and very expensive yeah it is a hard place to get by and like not get by you can get by it's hard to get ahead 
here. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's almost impossible. Unless you're making, unless you're a trust fund kid, you know, or something yeah. like that. Unless you have a real good job, but then you're only doing that. That's the only thing you're probably doing if you have a good job where you're, you know, getting up there, getting right. ahead. Yeah. Because even when I was working at LPL, it wasn't like, it was It was a good job, I guess. The, the, the you know, the company was decent. The job was shit. But, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, like I was making good money, but it was just like, it just drained me. Like, I saw a snap. Like a Snapchat of the fucking cubicle from one of my friends, and I just like had like a non flashback. I was like, oh, like a visual, just like, oh, like, I was like sick, dude. When I saw that, I was like, that's prison. You just have flashbacks, you're like, ah. I was like, fuck, dude. I just remember sitting there, like, I hate myself. I hate myself. <laughs> like, this is horrible. Like, yeah. yeah, there's something about that environment. It's not conducive to anything. <laughs> right. But yeah. just like, I guess it works for some people. Put your head down, and get your work done, but. Ugh. You're, you, yeah, if I had a job with numbers, I would lose my mind. I, yeah. I, you, that's what I did on finance, like an idiot. Right. <laughs> but, well, I'm just an English person. I think there was that movie Saul where they these people were stuck in these puzzles and they had to figure out how to get out of them or they would <laughs> die. And if I was in a puzzle where I had to figure out math, I would just give up. You're just I would like, just yeah. be like, just kill me. I, I'm never going to get out <laughs> of here. Can you just get this over with? <laughs> you got to make me wait the whole hour now? Like, I know I'm dead. Come <laughs> in here and do your thing, Jigsaw. Let's just get this done with. Yeah, finish me <laughs> off, bro. Yeah. I'm so bad at math. I'm horrible. Horrible. Yeah, see, I was always, like, pretty decent at math. I was, I, was, I don't know. I never got much encouragement from, like, my English teachers, in my opinion. Like, I never was like, oh, I'm not very good at that. Because I was always atrocious. My grammar is horrible. And it's like, I always thought I was able to write good content. Uh-huh. Grammar was terrible. So it was always like, no, nah, you're not very good at this. You know what I mean? And that's why like, I didn't go that route. I didn't even think about, oh, I should do English. Or I should do some writing. Or I should do something that would help me try to do comedy. It was like, oh, I just am going to try to make money. Right. So it's like, oh, I'm a lot not... of people do that. Yeah. I think about doing that sometimes. And then uh, I should just get out of teaching and try to make some money. Yeah, right. Everybody, that's the only thing. Like, how did, <laughs> But then how? How no. am I gonna make money? Yeah, I'm always like, maybe I should come up with some T-shirt ideas. I don't know. Maybe people would buy. Like, I don't. I don't know how anybody makes money off of this stuff besides just getting lucky or getting some sponsors. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, it's it's so much more challenging now because I'm a writer and I talk to a lot of writers. The whole industry's changed. Like, you have to market yourself today. You have to before you'd publish a book and they they'd you know have a marketing program and they'd get the book out there. And, yeah. Now they're like, you need to have so many people on social media and you need wow. to get out there and market it yourself. And it's just, it's crazy. You have to be already like bringing people to the table for them to even consider your book or your writing. My friend is a really good writer. He just, he published a book. Um, it's called The Coyote's Bicycle. His name is Kemal Tay. Uh-huh. And um, he just got an article published in The Atlantic, which is huge. That's huge. I love huge. The Atlantic. That's one place I like to go and read. And I mean, he was talking to his publisher and they said, um... And he said, basically, you need to be famous. And he's like, <laughs> to, to become a you know, New York Times bestseller. And he's like, well, I'm counting on you guys <laughs> to help, help me get, get the famous so I could get up there. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like we just wake up and we're, we're in this That's paradise. so interesting. That does make sense, though, because when you see any of those New York Times bestsellers, it's usually like a personality now. Right. Somebody that does have a million followers on Instagram or wherever. And it, you see it with comedy, too, where, I mean, if you have a YouTube channel, it gets a bunch of views, you could get on shows. And they talk yeah. about it all the time, like at ACC, they'll, and they'll say, we booked this guy, and he has, you know, he's able to get a ton of people here, Yeah. but he doesn't know how to, to work on stage. 
because he's too used to working on a video and it's different. It's way different because you're interacting with people. You have to. You have to feed off the audience and go back and forth with them and make them feel like they're coming on this ride with you, not like you're just like up there doing some fucking stupid shit. They're like, what is going on? Right. Like, yeah. So, so it's just a different venue. So I think it's just become more challenging today. You mm. have to hustle today. You have to work so you hard. Do. Yes. And you have to be consistent. You have to keep putting you, things out. You have to just, that's why I've, my goal is like once a week, whether or not, you know, fucking arms falling off, <laughs> fucking tongue swollen up, I'm ready to talk about, I do the podcast today. Huh? With but podcasts, you have to be very consistent. You do. And that's one of the things that, uh, that's like because I listen to a bunch of podcasts. That's one of my favorite forms of entertainment. Honestly, is probably just listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. But they're always like, yeah, just once a week. You have to be consistent. It's the only way you're gonna build anything. And it's gonna. You never know when it's gonna be like. Oh, you see a big spike. You never know. You never. Know. You, you just have to keep doing it. You know. Right. And there's there's the famous saying is like the you know if quitting is easiest closest to the finish line always is the easiest yeah. close to the finish line. Yeah. I just want to quit before the finish line every time. I, I want to quit before the race starts. A lot. <laughs> yes, that's what I need to start doing. That way I don't get caught up in it and have like emotional investment in it. You know. I'm just kidding. I get involved in a lot of podcasts all the time. I just like to stay busy. I like to be creative. Yeah, it's fun. There's something that makes me happier when I'm doing that, working on a creative outlet or doing something like that. And it's for me. I don't know. The hardest part still to this day, and I've talked about it on here before, is just like, just have to start. I just have to sit down. Because once I sit down, like. And do the work. I'm like, oh, this is fun. This is good. I enjoy this, you know. But there's something about that initial hurdle. I don't know what it is. There's like a mental block in my brain that goes, eh, that sounds like work. You have to fight through resistance. Yeah. There's a great book. It's called The War of Art. Stephen Pressfield. Yeah, you talked about that Yeah, I love that book. Yeah. It's the one I, you know, I actually have the audio book, and it's so you can just listen to it sometimes. I listened to it probably a month and a half ago and it had me energized but then like I kind of forgot about it <laughs> you know like it's like that first week after you listen to that book you're like holy shit I'm in it I'm back baby I'm back right because it fires you up it, you can't not read that book about resistance and like how you know resistance is cunning resistance will you know trick you into a false sense of security to get you away from doing the thing that you know you should be doing I actually had to I couldn't finish the book really because I just had resistance I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> it's a short little book. It's, I know, a, it's just perfect. Joking. Yeah, that's funny. It's it's one of those books that's like it's just like a Joe Rogan podcast. If you listen to it, it's like you know just about three hours. But he's empowering he's, for real. Yeah, and it's just the way he talks about it and how his journey. He was like forty five or something when he first, like he finally hit. It's no nonsense too. He's like my first book didn't make it because it sucked. Yeah, like, yeah, one hundred percent. He tells it how it is, yeah. and that's what is nice about it too. He's like. I just kept going, you know, he just kind of, I like how he talks about professional. Yeah. What separates the professional from the amateur is that the professional shows up to work every day. Right. You know, and there's definitely days where I don't show up. I'm just like, oh, fucking not today. <laughs> and that's why, you know, amateur. <laughs> but it, it does have a lot of powerful lessons in it for sure. You know what? It's all stepping stones. We all start somewhere. Yeah, that's yeah. a great point. And you never know exactly, you know, maybe that's all you could do at that certain time, and you have to be okay with that. Sometimes you can't be too hard on yourself that you're not, because you know, that's one of the things that I beat myself up sometimes is like, oh, I'm not doing enough. Yeah, I used to do that, and I used to make lists of I'm going to do this today, and then I'd feel so bad if I didn't do it. No, I, I don't do that. I just mm. just see what I can do today, and I just try to be happy with that. There you go. That's, that's a much healthier way to come at it, I think. Right, because perfectionism will kill you. Yeah. It'll just stress you out. And nobody's perfect, so why try to strive to be? Right. 
it's nice like I, I used to do that with the list a lot too and I kind of got away from it I mean you can see I'm obviously a crazy person with all my sticky notes that are on the wall over there looks but, like a beautiful mind right <laughs> I'm like the fucking crazy guy like the, that Charlie Day meme where he's like you know fucking yeah but I don't know it, I used to do that too with like lists and stuff and I was like I was trying to turn it into a joke. I was like, do you ever have a to-do list that becomes a tomorrow list or becomes a next week list? Like, that list just, like, is like, oh, I keep not getting this shit done. Then it makes me feel bad. Yeah, that's a good point. Just like, yeah, I don't need that right. list. Just do what you can do and be happy with that. Right. And make sure you're being honest with yourself, too. Because, like, that's sometimes I'll be like, oh, I probably could have gone to this, like, or whatever it may be, you know, but then I don't. Right. And you're going to produce <clears throat> garbage. I mean, it's part of it. You're going to write garbage jokes. You're going to write garbage stories. Yes, yes. That's one of the things I was going to try and work on. Like, I was listening to Joey Diaz's podcast, and he was talking about how he decided he had a moment in his career, maybe like 10 years ago, where he's like, I got to change. I got to figure out something. You know, and he started doing storytelling stuff. Mm-hmm. But what he did is he started a blog on like MySpace or something, he said. Oh, MySpace. And every Monday, didn't matter what he was doing, where he was at, he's like, I'm writing a you know, a blog about a story in my life or something that happens. He's like, it was, there was misspellings, there was no grammar, it was horrible. He's like, I hadn't written anything in 10 years 20 years but he's like that helped me push me forward because i just committed to doing that like once a week you know so that's one of the things i was trying to think is like maybe i need to give myself a little small writing assignment once a week or every like you know get two things done a month or something like that to try to i think if you want to be a writer you have to write every day Mm -hmm. that's what i do you write almost every day pretty much yeah whether do you is it usually uh Something like do you do you journal a lot or do you do writing as in like trying to create something? I'm working on this book and I've been in final, so I haven't had as much time to write on it. But I pretty much I pretty much write on that book every day. I work on wow. it. I work on it every day, and then I write jokes. I write jokes pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I need to get back to because I go in I go in waves again. It's like it's like I think every comedian struggles with this. To a certain extent, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm being lazy. It's so easy to, like, be lazy sometimes. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't, I try not to be hard on myself. I just think the world mm. is so funny that I just look for funny things. I That's just, a good point. Yeah, and I, I like to joke. My, my dad, he's so funny. It's the only bond we have between us. Yeah. He's just hysterical, and so that's how I grew up. Everything was funny, and it just eased tension, that. and so I just look for that, and I'll write it down, and sometimes it'll be funny, and sometimes it won't be funny. Yeah, and then it's like, okay, whatever. Not too bad. Not a big deal. Right. But yeah. I think that's the easier part is just joking with people, being around people, and when you're there, just joke with them and just being observant of people. Yeah. I've listened to Steve Martin. I, I love Steve Martin. He said... I love that book, Born Standing Up. I just finished that book. Amazing. It's a great book. And he said, um, in that book, he said, when he observes people, he'll see somebody doing something funny, and then later he'll write himself in his story. He'll write it from first person. Oh. I thought that was a good tip. That is a great way to look at it. Right. Yeah. I, if you listen to comedians, they do that. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. You, you kind of have to put yourself into this, like insert yourself into it a little bit and make it, yeah. That's a good way. Yeah. I, I was like, I li- liked his book, and I <clears throat> actually took his master class. You did? Yes. I've always been, t- did you like it? I could give you the password if you want. <laughs> I liked it. I did like it. I did like yeah. it. Uh, I I probably should do it again because uh-huh. it was like that was I bought that when I was literally first starting out and it was a great you know get get my feet wet give me some uh, tips and how to you know whatever do, just learn how to write a basic joke anything you know right and uh, so it was great then but I haven't watched it since 
it's been a year and a half, and that's how long I've been doing comedy. So I've definitely grown, mm-hmm. and it'd be interesting to see if I could still pick out some new things from it now that I've been doing comedy for a little bit longer, you know? Yeah, he's one of my favorites. He's brilliant. I loved him, and you know what? I'd never watched his comedy, and then just a while back I started watching his comedy, and I was in the gym, mm-hmm. like just watching what he was doing, and I'm like, this is not funny. I'm like, what is going on? This is weird. Yeah, yeah. And then I started realizing what he was doing. He's playing a... And I'm like, that's hysterical. It's brilliant, too, to, like, be this guy who is, like, so, like, almost not in on the joke of, like, how he thinks he's, like, he's awesome. He's just, you know, superstar beyond belief. (laughs) But he's, like, an idiot at the same time. But he's, like, it does it so well, and it's so well done that you're like, oh, that's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's brilliant comedy. And, um... He was just making fun of comedians. He yes, was just making he was right hardcore, <laughs> and I thought it was so funny. And he's so daring. He takes so many risks that nobody would take. And yeah, yeah. And I'm bet I could only imagine how many times he was eating shit on stage, he said, trying to figure out that character. I listened to a long interview with him, and he said, "I I look back on what I was doing. He's like, I don't like to do it, and I, I still don't know if it was funny." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, part of me thinks it is, and part of me thinks it isn't. I'm like, that's very honest. Yeah, yeah. It's just in general him, like, he's one of the legends of comedy, for sure, the way he did that. Yeah. Was able to, like, kind of transcend, like, you know, him, Richard Pryor, these people, like, oh, then they went to movies because they were so big and so funny. They were like, oh, well, we have to, this guy has something. They're both good writers. I don't, my, no, comedians know this, but I don't think the general audience know that Richard Pryor was a good writer. Mm -hmm. He was a really good writer. I see. I didn't even really know that about Richard Pryor. To be fair, yeah, he wrote. I haven't um, read much about him. I've listened to some of his, you know, uh, older, like live on the Sunset Strip and stuff like that. But yeah, he he was. Steve Martin talked about him a lot, and he said that guy was a poet. Like mm. the way he delivered his jokes was poetry. I, I didn't. I never thought about it. But he, Richard Pryor wrote um, that Blazing Saddles. Oh, he he, so that. he wrote all that? Yeah. Oh, well, that movie is hilarious. <laughs> it's one of the funniest movies of 100%. all time. 100%. And you could never make that movie today. No, you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> you get big. No, 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 no. Bad, 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 bad. <laughs> Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks is yep. genius, too. 100%. That's, yeah. I don't know. That's fascinating, though. Just, like, kind of, you just have to, look. there's so many ways to learn, so many ways to do it, and that's what makes comedy so crazy is that there's no real one way to do it. Right. You never know what's going to work for you. You could go like a Seth Rogen route or Judd Apatow, you're making movies. Uh-huh. Or you could be just straight up stand-up and a podcast person like Joe Rogan. Right. Yeah. You, there's a lot of different angles. There's a lot of creativity you could take from it. For sure. Uh, I do have two more questions that I wanted to ask you All about right. before we wrap this up since we've been here for about 50 minutes already. That was, time's flying. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite Christmas movie? It's a tough one. I hate Christmas movies. Do you I, hate I Christmas hate, movies? Oh. Christmas movies. I hate Christmas music. I like Christmas. Yes. <laughs> uh, I like. It's kind. You of, don't have to have a favorite one. Then, if you hate Christmas movies, no, that's actually an answer. <laughs> I, I've always liked the what is it? Christmas Carol. The Christmas Chris, Carol, a classic. Isn't that? I like the one where the kid gets his eye shot out. Um, uh, a Christmas, Christmas story. story. Yeah, yeah, I like that movie. I like. Um, it just reminds me of my dad growing up. You know? Because of okay, and yeah, I just thought it was so well written and so well done. 
It has like, so, so many classic funny. scenes, like the tongue on the pole. Right, the, the tongue on the you're pole. You're going to shoot your eye out. And so much irony that he really does shoot his eye out. Yep. And it's just funny <laughs> that they go to an Asian restaurant. It's like <laughs> going to an Asian restaurant on Christmas yes. because the dogs ate the turkey and yeah. stuff like that. I, it's, it's a brilliant film. Yeah, yeah. I really like that one. My favorite is uh, Home Alone. Oh, yes. Home Alone's great. Yeah. Just because I grew up on that movie. Like, I was like a young kid when that came out. You know, it was like 1995, maybe. I was probably like five, six years old. Uh-huh. I remember that was like, that was my jam. Right. That, that movie when it came out, like, a kid taking over the house and setting it up to, like, combat these two thieves, dude. The right. best. The best. Um, I remember when I saw that movie, it was in a dollar theater. And I was talking about my dad being funny earlier. Uh-huh. So we're all sitting in the theater. Um, in the summertime, okay, <laughs> long after the movie came out, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the movie, the movie stops, and everybody just gets quiet. And my dad looks around, he's like, and he just shouts, "I want my dollar back!" <laughs> and the whole theater just erupted, and yes. I thought that was so funny. That is hilarious. The but timing was perfect on that. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. It's a great example. Yeah, and um, but that's a great movie. Yeah, and that's Home one of my favorites. Too. Macaulay Culkin. That, that That's what I'm great. saying. I like Performance him. of a lifetime when he was that young, you know what I mean? Like, I like him in Uncle Buck, too. Yes, that's a good one as well. Yeah. I mean, what's it? John, John Candy. Candy is amazing. Oh, my God. He was so Play, good. Yep. Yeah. 100%. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I just was also curious how I wanted to pick your brain on that since it's, you know, holiday season and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, and the other one, what, what's, like, your least or, like, what, what's, like, the worst Christmas present or worst present? Like, for me... The worst present when I get a fucking gift card, I can't like stand it. Cards. I don't. I think it's like, just give me the cash. If you're gonna give me some stupid fuck, if you're going money or whatever, give me cash. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I get like they're trying to be like, oh, I know he likes this, so, so it shows like I know something about you. But I'm like, no. If you knew me, I want the green <laughs> instead of. But I'd have to. Uh, gift cards are pretty lame. I, I like. I like getting gift cards. Do you though. See, I, I like I the f- autonomy of getting gift cards. See, I'm bad at using them. Maybe that's why I don't uh, like yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, I feel that. trapped. I'm like, oh, now I have to go spend money at this place, like or whatever. I don't know. I guess if it's an Amazon gift card, it's like that's pretty much. Maybe that's where I'm not being fair because I'd probably be like, okay, well, Amazon is pretty good. I love gift cards. That's I love. Funny. You do. I, I do. <laughs> this um, guy, he loves gift cards. You know. I know when I was like a little kid, it was like, oh, getting socks and underwear was the worst. I don't want to wrap. But now I'm like, oh, I could use some socks and underwear. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I, I don't. <laughs> You're right. No, I'm like, please. <laughs> yeah. Give, give me <laughs> socks and underwear. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Times are tough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You open up the underwear like yes, and you don't you don't have to write anybody out if you don't necessarily have. No, to. I no. just thought it was a fun question. My grandma, I had two family members who would give me the worst presents ever, and my grandma was one of them. My uh-huh. grandma, she'd spend all this money on her other grandkids, but when it came to us, the ones who loved her the most, she she'd give us like pencils with our names on them. Oh, that's like the worst. Oh, yeah, she and. She had Christmas parties that were super lame. Like, she'd make sandwiches, and the sandwiches were, like, expired, and we're just eating them, and we're trying <laughs> not to complain, but, you know, we're just hiding them behind the couch. Yeah. Things like that. And yeah. it's just rotten meat that you're eating, <laughs> and it was disgusting. And I still have memories of all of this. Yeah. Um, my grandmother, bless her heart, she's passed away. Um, but I remember that my favorite thing about my grandma, though, is uh-huh. that any she had a bad memory and she didn't know me that well yeah but she loved me i can uh-huh. say that but yes. i could call my grandmother anytime 
well, not any time, probably four times a year and say, Grandma, it's my birthday. <laughs> and she'd give me like 20 bucks. Wow, that's amazing. That's a good grandma right there. Yeah, I mean, grandma's my birthday. She'd be like, oh my gosh, it's your birthday. It's your birthday? Uh, You know what? Going back on it, like, my favorite memories of Christmas are my grandmother because... That's awesome, same here. We were kids and she would make us grasshoppers, like at 12 years old with a bunch of alcohol in it. And we would just drink in and be like, give me some more grasshoppers, grandma. That's awesome, (laughs) grandma was hooking it it up. She didn't care, man. Yeah, that's fun. That was kind of cool. My aunt, she would just get us weird presents, like jazzy vests. Yes. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. They, they were I always got weird like clothes from my one of my aunt, a couple of my aunts, you know, just yeah. like I'm probably not gonna wear that. But thank you. It's the thought that counts, and I'll still love you, of course. But... Yeah, I didn't love them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I actually I had to cut it off after that. <laughs> Sorry, can't be seen anymore. Kick you out of the family. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got some pretty rough presents from them. My favorite <laughs> present ever. It's this. I lived in Germany because my dad was in the military. Oh, okay. And I was a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan. Die oh, hard. all right. And when I was a Grew kid... Grew up in Pittsburgh, I, but... It's a weird... Okay, I'll just, it, it's all good. I Okay, to explain, um, I got into sports right when the Pittsburgh Steelers were horrible, and the Pirates were bad. Oh. And I had a Mark Malone, who was a quarterback, horrible quarterback No <laughs> Terry Bradshaw, apparently. ...on my wall. <laughs> and I had... These friends come over and they're like, what the heck? Mark Malone? <laughs> of all the posters you can get, you got this guy? And so I'm like, I can't like this team. They, yeah, yeah. And the Eagles had a, a dope team. They had Randall Cunningham, Reggie White, all these great players. Yes, okay. And so um, I wanted to be Randall Cunningham when I was a kid. Yes. He was amazing. Okay. He kicked the third longest punt in NFL history. He ran for more yards than any NFL quarterback in NFL yep. history up until Mike Vick. Yep. And he was crazy. He'd jump over people, and he could throw, like, 200 miles, he right? Was, he was the first guy to really do that as a quarterback, He really. was the or ultimate maybe weapon. maybe Moon a little bit, but... Like. And so I was in high school. I signed in up for track because he did hurdles. I'm like, I'm going to be a hurdler. I'm going to be just <laughs> like him. Yes, yes. And my mom knew that I liked him a lot, so she wrote him a letter. And he sent me this plaque, like a picture of him, and he wrote, um, To Brendan, best wishes, Randall Cunningham, number 12. That's the best present. That is amazing. Right. See, that's that's awesome. What yeah. a great, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, I, I was trying to think, what's the best present I've gotten? That hat. The hat is amazing. <laughs> For you viewers on YouTube, you see it, you better believe it. But uh, I think the best present that I ever got, at least I know the most excited I was when I got a present, was my first, because I'm such a nerd, my first Super Nintendo. Oh. And it was like, the, the new Yoshi. yeah the Yoshi's over exactly there. you know Yoshi making an appearance here <laughs> <clears throat> keeping it old school but like uh, I got that and I remember being like oh my god I finally because like everybody had a system I got it like late you know kind of compared to like how everybody else like, they already had one blah 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 whatever but I got one I just remember being so happy I was just like yes this is it I finally have it that was like one of the big ones for me for sure because I always loved video games when I was a kid right game consoles when you're a kid are for the best yeah yeah they change sure. our lives 100% and not always for the better. <laughs> <laughs> Usually for the worse. Yeah. I've spent way too much time on World of Warcraft. But anyways, that's for another another podcast. Another conversation. But yeah. Hey, thanks for coming by, Brendan. I really appreciate that, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome. A lot of fun. All right. Later, folks.
never gonna give you up, never gonna let you down, never gonna run around and desert you. Oh, yeah. The Man Child Podcast will never desert you, folks. I'm always gonna be here for you because that's what I do. That's what I'm doing, you know, just I'm here for the for the people. That's all this is. It's for the people. None of this is for me. Yeah, maybe most of it's for me. Most of it's probably for me, actually. But, you know, as always, I just want to say thank you to you beautiful snowflakes for fucking listening to another episode of the Millennial Manchild Podcast. Holy crap. 59 episodes now? Whew. It's crazy. That is insane. Uh, but yeah, thank you beautiful snowflakes for listening. Much appreciated. You're all the best. I really do appreciate it. And if you're sharing it with friends, letting other people know about the podcast, holy crap, I... I'm forever in your debt, forever grateful. Thank you so much for that. Uh, and if not, and you're just listening, you're balling. You're killing it. Don't worry about it. Uh, and also, I did want to give an, a big shout-out to Brendan Prandowitz himself for coming on the podcast, chopping it up. Um, always a good time. Anytime I get to sit down with a buddy like that and just have like an hour-long conversation, no phones, no distractions, just mono mono you know, very fun, always good. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, again, thank you to Brendan Pranowitz for coming by. Uh, and he bought me lunch after the podcast. That is a nice dude. He is a class act and I really appreciate him, you know, just being a great dude. There, it's, you know, every once in a while you find somebody that's just like a solid ass dude who's kind, nice, smart. I mean, this guy, ladies, I don't know if he's single or not, but you should probably, you should probably look into this. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he's got it going on. Anyways, enough of that. Don't forget about me either. I I'm I am single as fuck. It is. I mean, maybe the hat and the tie-dye is not helping, but you know, who knows? I'm not an expert on these things. But yeah, um that's really all I got for you today. I'll I'll keep it short here. It was already kind of a long one. Um, you know, since I read his uh, short story at the beginning and then we had the whole podcast. But yeah, uh a few things for you to check out. Um check out The Fix on Netflix. It's kind of a funny political show, right? So it's hosted by Jimmy Carr, who's a hilarious comedian. He also has D.L. Hughley and, oh shit, I can't remember her name. I feel bad. I think it's like Kathleen or something like that. Kathleen Ryan. Uh, They're like the two, those are like the three people that are on every show. And basically what they do is they debate about um, an issue. You know, not necessarily debate, but they talk about their experience with it, what they think about it. And then they give their fix at the end. And it's always some hilarious ridiculous, you know, like, uh, they were trying to fix homelessness and they just said they're going to do home alone, which is like loaning homes to homeless people because we have so many homes in the U S that are unoccupied and we could fill those with homeless people who have no place to live, thus fixing the whole, the homeless problem. But they do it in a very funny manner that makes you laugh. So that way you're not like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is this like NPR? I'm not trying to learn too much. I need to Reel back the learning, give me some laughs, you know, make it, make it more digestible. And that's what this show does. And I think it's very fun and funny. So check that out. If you're into that kind of thing. Um, another thing to check out, this is on YouTube and it's amazing. It's, uh, by Tenacious D it's called post apocalypto and it's a little short movie, maybe about an hour long, fucking hilarious, worth every minute. Definitely check it out especially if you like like little cartoon things and you like Jack Black and Tenacious D. It's uh, it's really well done and just so absurd and ridiculous that you won't even believe it. I couldn't even begin to 
tell you what happened and all of it and what to expect because it's just like I would never would have guessed that's where it went. So check it out. You'll get some good laughs on that one. Um, you know, maybe smoke a little joint before that, you know, get in the right mood because it is it's a wild one. It takes you on a journey for sure. But yeah, uh, that's it for today's episode. The 59th episode of the Millennial Manchild podcast is in the books. Holy shit, folks. Oh my God. We did it. Uh, but yeah, um, the music for today's episode, Africa by Toto, Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley, and Testimony by Kodak Black. And if you like this last song, that Testimony song, go check out Kodak Black's new album. It's pretty fuego, in my humble opinion. So yeah, uh, that's all I got for you. So until next time, folks, uh, be good. Hope life treats you well. And Millennial Manchild, out. Even though I be out here scheming like a demon seeming, I know I'm God sent. It's got to be God. God sent, like he sent me so I can relay these messages, like he used me as a vessel, like he used me as an instrument, trying to lock me in a box, they hate how God to keep on blessing me, they lock me in a box, I pray to God, this ain't my destiny, I don't train no lean, I'm sipping no holy water, like this my medicine, I'm living testimony, every album like a testament, everything I went through made me who I am, so he be testing me, so I'm breaking bread with all my film, cause I don't take no essence, I don't sacrifice my nigga, none of my niggas ain't see the best in me, they want me slinging metal like the devil, but I'm heaven sent, my my brother, my mom, man, Alex, for my daddy, cause he neglected me. I'm 20 years old, but I act like I've been here before, like I'm a veteran. He spit this shit through me like I'm a prophet, but I'm a reverend. Put my blood, sweat, and tears and all these lyrics, cause this my exodus. I'm dying so I can live, so I can live, I resurrected it. I'm dying so I can live, so I can live, I resurrected Hey, blood in my eyes, I'm going blind, oh. Stuck in these streets, feel like my life froze. I've been running these streets, got me dehydrated. I've been living so crazy, feel like I'm dying, baby. Blood in my eyes, I'm going blind, oh. I'm stuck in these streets, feel like my life froze. I've been running these streets, got me dehydrated. I've been living so crazy, feel like I'm dying.